This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. ACC columnist for Saturday Road, my friend Brett Friedlander, joins us at B Freed ACC. All right, sir, let's talk about the Wolfpack and the Tar Heels from Saturday. I love your piece about the this being really a rivalry game, and uh, North Carolina has owned this rivalry. What, five out of the last uh, 40 have gone the way of the Wolfpack? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Part of that is, I think for the most part, they've had better players and better coaching uh, over the last several, maybe the last 50 years, better, uh, better players and better coaching. Um, what do, give me your read, your, you know, bit blank canvas, what you saw Saturday afternoon. Well, first of all, take out, oh, say the first five years of the 1970s. And this has always been a one-sided rivalry. Uh, but what I saw was an actual rivalry. Uh, you know, you have a hammer, you have a nail and, and it kind of gets old after a while and they chant, not our rival, but you could tell right from the get go that this one really the, the Tar Heels, and more importantly, the Tar Heels fans in the building were taking this one seriously. And it's because State has got a good team this year. Mm-hmm. But it just seemed a little bit different. And, and just the tone of play, it got very chippy, uh, even before the Turquavion Smith uh, leaky black incident. And then after that, we had um, uh, Casey Morsell kind of clocking Caleb Love yep. in, in, in the face. This was an actual rivalry game, and that's something we really haven't seen from UNC and State from both sides, that is. Usually it's just the one side, but I, I liked it. And, you know, as I wrote in my column, it, it sometimes takes something more than geography to really make a rivalry an actual rivalry, you know, to get bad blood mm-hmm. going. And maybe this is the spark that does that. Yeah, you you referenced the Duke, North Carolina, <laughs> the origin of the uh, Art Heyman, Larry Miller uh, dust up back, what, 1960 or 1961. See, I love... I looked at this game going in, and maybe I was wrong, uh, but I looked at it going in in that UNC needed the win more. Yep. For, forget about the rivalry part of this, and I think the rivalry is real, obviously, but I thought UNC needed a win, over a good win, not necessarily more than NC State needed a good win, but their resume is kind of empty, and they needed a good win, and I think they played better. Uh, but it was it was a game that I think is befitting a rival uh, simply because it was so hard fought. It was so physical. Uh, did you did you feel like it was officiated that way? <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, I'm not trying to be, le- uh, you know, I'm not trying to lead the witness here. I feel like it was about officiated about as well as it could be. I realize that NC State doesn't agree with that. Well, let's just look at statistics here. Let, let's let the numbers talk. Right. Coming into this game, UNC was the, the, the team that got to the foul line the most in the ACC. Okay? Mm-hmm. NC State was the team that sent other teams to the foul line more than anybody else in the league. Uh-huh. So that in itself is going to create a disparity theoretically. Now, was it officiated as well as it could have been? No, I don't think so. There were some touch fouls outside that may have been a little bit, you know, iffy and all that. But for the most part, Carolina attacked the rim and State shot three-pointers. And in that particular, you know, dynamic, 
one team's going to get more fouls called on it than the other, and it's the team that is defending the rim and shooting the threes. So, I see here. Here's the, I, I did not know about those stats going into the game. Brett Friedlander is joining us. That's a great. Uh, those are great numbers by you. Adam Golden Studio with my man, Coach Pete DeRuta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. You have a 401k, but you're changing jobs. You're taking that 401k with you. Next step. Well, a lot of people leave it behind, which is not a good thing. I mean, if you're not at the company anymore, your 401k shouldn't either. And that's when it's time for my 401k survival Oh, oh look at that. Set. You see it right here. I've got workbooks, <laughs> guidebooks, DVDs in here that explain everything about your 401k. More importantly, how to build a lifetime income. It's a $300 value. I'm also going to give you a total retirement plan, which is a $1,000 value for the next 18 of you who call right now. No cost or obligation. Call. 888-843-0013 or text Adam to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. I watched the game. I watched the game after I knew the outcome. I did not watch it. Uh, didn't get a chance to, uh, to do it because I had other things until yesterday. And I watched knowing what the free throw disparity was. Yep. So I was looking for, oh, did NC State get screwed? And I didn't find it. I, I found that the game, in terms of free throw disparity, and I've always said that is the worst proof that you've got that the game was officiated one way or, or the other, is to simply point to that. And it wasn't even fouls at the end. It was fouls throughout the game. Where did State commit the fouls? And my, my takeaway was, boy, State fouled a lot. And, yeah. and you know what else, too, Adam? They had Baycott in foul trouble. He had three fouls early in the thir- in the second half, and they didn't take it at him. And, right. and, you know, get the ball in there. And even if DJ Burns has got foul trouble, he's on the bench, get the ball inside, post up on him, and, and get him to make that fourth foul. And I didn't think State was aggressive enough in doing that. And those are the type of things that I'm talking about. They, they, they settled, and when you don't put the other team in a position to commit fouls, they're not going to commit them. I actually think that State's defense was too good and Carolina's defense was at times too passive. There were so many wide-open shots that State took, and they hit a lot. I mean, I thought State played mm-hmm. a pretty good basketball game. So, there, But there, there were so many wide-open looks. I'm like, well, you're not going to get a foul there because of where the fat, where the shots were. But if you look at where, in, where UNC was doing a lot of their work around the rim, uh, yep. Baycott had a, uh, had a big game, uh, obviously. So did R.J. Davis. I thought R.J. Davis the best player in the game, and... I think if if UNC could get the best version of Caleb Love, they'd have something. But we have we just haven't seen that. Where do you see North Carolina's uh, where where they are right now? I think North Carolina's in a fine. They're they're okay. Listen, I think North Carolina's biggest problem is between the ears as opposed to physically. And of course, they've had injuries. They need to get Pete Nance more involved. And yeah, Caleb either needs to make more shots or not take as many shots <laughs> right. and let RJ do the shooting. Uh, but I, I just think this, to me, this smacks of a team that got to the first Monday in, in, in April last year. That's their goal. And it's like, let's get this regular season over with and get to the games that matter. Sometimes you could see they're really engaged, like Saturday, when they had a sense of urgency and they mm-hmm. really needed a win. And then sometimes they, you know, like Boston College for a lot of that game, they just kind of go through the motions and do what they have to. And so uh, I think they're fine. I don't think it's time to panic. I think this team is in a much better spot than it was last year because I think they've <laughs> got the experience and and they've got Baycott, and you, you never know when good Caleb is going to show up. I, I think they're just waiting to flip the switch, to be honest with you. Good Caleb, great Caleb 
is a, is a game changer for them. Yep. I, th- I think if we see the Caleb Love we saw on Saturday, which was just okay, if we see that Caleb Love, I think they'll probably make the tournament and and kind of be you know pretty quiet and maybe bow out after a win. But great Caleb is a second weekend of the NCAA UCLA tournament. UCLA last year, Caleb. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it doesn't even have to be that because he was next level there, but just a better version of Caleb Love gives them a chance. I don't believe they have another dynamic other than what what those three guys give them. I love RJ Davis and I loved him last year. I think he's incredibly solid. Let me uh let me let me flip this over to NC State. It appears that Terquavian Smith is going to be okay. He might even play tomorrow against yep. Notre Dame. Um I thought I thought State was really good. Then the game got away from him just like any game can get away from any team in a hostile environment down the stretch against a team playing well like UNC was. Where do you think State is? Uh, especially against a team that lives rent-free in NC State's head Maybe. and has for a no. long time, too. Uh, I think NC State is fine. As long as Terquavion is, is healthy and himself, they're, they're an NCAA tournament team. Ernest Ross has been a game-changer these last few games. I yep. mean, he has come out of nowhere and really been a factor. Uh, you figure Dusan Mahorsic is going to be back at some point, it seems. Uh, and, uh, you know, they've got a legit point guard. Uh, they've got some depth. L.J. Thomas gives them yeah. some good numbers. Casey Morsell is, you know, the the ultimate Swiss Army knife. I mean, he's remember what Theo Pinson was to those championship yeah. NC State. Well, that's what Casey Morsell is with a jump shot. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's it's clearly an NCAA tournament team. I think this is a big week for NC State. I think they need to bounce back. Whether Torquevion is available or not, they're playing a bad Notre Dame team. They cannot afford to lose that game. And then they go up to Wake. Which is going to be a you know one of those bubble against bubble games, win there and they're in really good shape. Actually, I'm not even sure it's bubble versus bubble. I think it's two Maybe teams it's that not. belong in the NCAA tournament, in my view. But I understand what you're saying about that. Yeah, the Notre Dame game is a don't lose that game. Uh, but if they get uh, Mahorchich back, and if Jack Clark can come, I mean, I I love their depth, and their backcourt is as good as any backcourt. I mean, yep, I I love I. A sneaky on on the low. I'm not sure that Joiner isn't at times better than Terquavian Smith. He's more efficient. I think uh, Terquavian just needs to be a little bit more ju- judicious with the shots he takes. If he gets some uh, just a higher level of efficiency, I think their offense is going to be absolutely dynamite and g- would give him two really good post players if Mahorchich comes back. Uh, and you and you and you. Combine that with the way they're playing defense yeah. since the, the start of the year. I mean, they're just playing like banshees, and that's one of the things that kind of let them down. They they played too hard mm-hmm. a, a, on defense against Carolina, and they and they fouled. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's a great combination. I, I I'm glad you brought up the defense because I think that's been key. They play in the best half court defense I have seen NC State play under Kevin Keats. Real quick, I don't know how much of Duke Miami you got a chance to see. Uh, it was a rock fight, but. And John Shire said it after the game that this is the type of t- type of, of team of, or type of game that Duke is going to have to play. Yep. One where they just kind of grind it out. And it's kind of funny when you have theoretically all the talent that they've got, <laughs> that that's how they have to play. Yeah. But when you watch them, that's how they have to play. 
they're a different team at home than they are on the road, and they're a greatly different team when Jeremy Roach is healthy and playing than, than they are when he's not. Um, I think that the key to this Duke team is going to be Derek Whitehead, and you know, if he emerges, and you can see it kind of starting, but he's the one guy on that team, I think, who's got the offensive capability to take games over, hasn't yet. If he can learn how to do that and he can assert himself and do that, that gives them the dynamic that they, I think, need. But right now, you're right. This is a, a grinded-out, uh, you know, blue-collar team, and mm-hmm. you would never expect that from, uh, from a Duke team. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like an old-school team. And I go back to the team that John Shire was on when they won the national championship in 2010. And it, that was a grinded-out, blue-collar team. And that's kind of what this team has to be. They don't really have, as you said, don't really have anybody who can create their own offense. But I, to me, the number one exciting thing that I saw out of that game for the Blue Devils is Tyrese Proctor knocking down open shots. If that happens, then Duke is just a little bit better because that is the element. Somebody to consistently knock down open shots that Duke hasn't had. Duke was 9 of 21 from three-point range against Miami. And if they can get some decent three-point shooting, it just might open up some stuff. And also, Derek Lively played his best game, I thought. Yeah, you know what? Adding that element at the perimeter spreads defenses out. It gives more spacing. And, boy, Filipowski's already really good. And giving him a little bit more room to operate, and you're right, Lively and, and Mitchell, uh, that makes them a lot uh, different team. But, yeah, they, they have to find somebody to give them that element. So what did, what did Lively end up with? Six points? 10 rebounds and five mm-hmm. blocked shots in 18 minutes. Yeah, right. That's insane. But you know, both he and Whitehead missed almost all of preseason. And yep. this is about the time now that they're, they're finally starting to catch up. So maybe, maybe they're still a team with a really high ceiling. Brett Friedlander, uh, appreciate your time, my man. The ACC columnist, Saturday Road. Follow him on Twitter at BFreedACC. Uh, you're a gentleman. I'll talk to you later. Thanks. Always for you, Adam. Oh, man, that is very nice. I don't, my ego it's like, it makes me blush. Well, you know, after this weekend with the pics and stuff. Oh, no, and- so do so you think that's it? People are taking pity on me? It's very possible. Career-driven individuals ready to unlock your potential? Discover William Peace University's School of Professional Studies. Our classes are tailored for the working professional. Attend class on your terms with our online sessions and choose from various start dates throughout the year. Dive into a curriculum designed for success. Every class is a stepping stone that takes you closer to your career goals. Take one or more classes. It's in your hands. Elevate your career with William Peace University's School of Professional Studies. Dive deeper at williampeace.info slash SPS. Your journey begins here.